certainly isn't gardening weather. Well, <laughs> it, it didn't. All the bad stuff didn't come yet, so I'm I'm hoping they're wrong. You know, well, what's you out there now hope. is fine. Yeah, right, right. It's not that bad yet, but you know that makes me think. Well, there's not a lot I want to do out when it's it's you know 27 below and the wind chill is going to be who knows how low. So I think about gardening inside with our house plants. Well, I that's kind of where I'm at with it too. You know, um, the it is it is pretty disappointing when you wake up in the morning and it wasn't <laughs> supposed to snow and then there's two inches and then the forecast last I heard was up to 12 and you know it's just not it's it's just not working for me. <laughs> but but you do uh, do house plants too, don't oh, you? Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's a good time to really think about your house plants and uh, one thing I was just going to say is that you know it's it's a little warmer out now, but it's supposed to get really cold again this weekend and it's it's really just something to think about is depending on what kind of windows you have in your house and how how your plants are situated or located, you could actually freeze a plant indoors this time of the year if you have the leaves that are touching the windows. That's how cold it's going to get. Well, I was reading also in the Master Gardener information, it basically you should move anything that is touching the windows, you should move away, especially now, because you're right, it can freeze. And I have... Um, oh, Barb Lampson and I have a little herb garden here at Minnesota State in one of the windows here. And I've, I mentioned this to you when we talked yesterday. I have had the mint, and I so far I've killed two of the three mint plants with the third one coming on the way. And we were, I was saying, well, what am I doing wrong with this? The other herbs seem to be doing okay, but you were saying maybe that it's the, the drafts and the temper, temperature sensitivity. Well, I think that probably would be the case because... Uh, many herbs are not necessarily native to this area. They were introduced, and in, in if I, I think I'm correct in saying that, I think the mint family is a, is more of a tropical plant. And that's, of course, why, um, you know, mint in the garden, it can be just prolific. You need to keep it in a, in a it, pot. Yeah, it can be invasive. In fact, when I plant my planted my mint plants in the garden, I put them in a pot and then put that in the ground so their roots will be a little more contained, but they still kind of sometimes sneak out. Yeah. But in inside, in the pot, I'm not having good luck. Well, and I think it has, there, it, you're, it's probably a, a draft situation, too cold. But I was thinking about that, too, in terms of, you know, we're gardeners and we think about it year-round. One thing that you can do in the house this time of the year is you can have your own little little herb garden. And it, it's really, you don't even need some big bay window with all kinds of sun or anything. A, a south side sunny window, as long as you, you know, make sure you're keeping it a little bit away from the window, not touching the glass. Um, I've had extremely good luck with dill, parsley, and basil. And in, inside, inside, and you can, you know, you can go to a, one of the big box stores and you can find um, pots that are like, you know, real kind of fancy dancy and have like the little label on them and stuff. You really don't need to do that if you have a. Uh, a you plastic. mean the herb label like parsley yeah. or yeah, yeah. and it, it's real cute and yeah. it, you know it's got little flowers on it and stuff. Um, and those are available year round, but you don't in. That those are cute, but what you really need to do is to find yourself a good pot with drainage uh, with, hole. With drainage holes is kind of the key, and um, I've had really good success. And it's and I'm also you know been in the food business my whole life. Um, I love to use fresh herbs in, in cooking, especially in the wintertime. It kind of feels like you're cheating a little bit when you can hack off some fresh <laughs> fresh um, basil or parsley and put it in a, in a pasta dish, for example. You know, the other thing in winter we, we fight with is low humidity because the heat that we use in these northern climates really dries the air out, and we know that by our skin and, and everything else, too. So I think humidity 
with the uh, low humidity with tropical plants is very hard on them too. And I know a lot of times they'll suggest just taking maybe a, a low container or something and maybe put some pebbles in the bottom and fill it with water exactly. so that that can evaporate and the plants can you know use it uh, as it as it evaporates and in, in, uh, in their systems. And that's that's the, actually the humidity level is a huge thing with house plants because a lot of people will say. I killed my pothos, and pothos are almost impossible to kill. I mean, you can grow them in a closet, you know. And now, now, for people who don't know what a pothos is, a lot of people think pothos are philodendrons. Uh, philodendrons. Yeah. They look like philodendrons. In fact, everybody around here, I thought that everybody had philodendrons around here until I learned that they were the pothos. Yes. And the difference is the pothos usually have like a variegated color in them, yes. and their leaves are a little thicker. Right. And the philodendrons... Um, Similar shape, kind of a more of a heart-shaped leaf, but they're more thin and uh, shinier. And yeah. so, but yeah, it's hard to kill a pothos. If you kill one of them, something's really something's wrong. definitely wrong. But the thing about uh, you know, speaking about philodendrons, they're way more touchy to grow. They 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 take, they want you know, um, they want bright light, um, but not too much of it. They can't be in like indirect. In, 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 it's got to be indirect bright light. And they, the watering has to be kind of on schedule. They need to be fertilized. And not that all plants don't, but but in the case of philodendrons, I would say they're fairly easy to kill. <laughs> you know? Well, I still have one that's growing. I only have one one left that's growing. I have it in the office. And the, the problem I have with it is it was in a pot that doesn't have a drain hole. So I've got to be really careful yeah. not to overwater. Yeah. Which really, I, I just... There's, I got it as a gift, I think, but there's really no sense in buying a pot without a hole in the bottom. Well, I know, and I if don't if there's going to be a plant in yeah, it. I don't know why they're even sold, to tell you the truth, except for some <laughs> of them that are, you know, like I said, the, you know, the artsy ones with have little pictures on them and stuff, and they're ceramic, and they really are cute. And they, they, as far as gardening, they really are worthless. Right, me. right, exactly. You know? So if you're going to get, again, about the gift thing, if you're going to get somebody something and you say, oh, look at this cute herb set. It says parsley, chives, whatever. And then, then they get it and there's no holes in it. And the gardeners, basically, like you said, it's worthless. Yeah. So, it, so you know, it's just the other thing I would, this maybe seems a little silly to say. People should be, realize if they have, uh, you know, plants on a windowsill or whatever, make sure that you have, you know, like a saucer underneath or whatever. Oh, yes. Well, the other the other piece about that is that I found out, um, kind of learned the hard way. If you even if you have a saucer underneath, if it you happen to have ceramic, a ceramic pot or not ceramic, a clay pot. Mm-hmm. I had the water, the moisture, get under the plant and then make a ring on my table anyway Stains, and I yeah. absolutely I, I was shocked when I saw it I thought well how did this happen well it leached right through the, the I mean I should have realized that so if you're going to look for a, for a liner or something to put under a house plant make sure it's got plastic on the bottom you know there's some really nice cork ones out there that have plastic on the bottom they don't look cheesy they look nice and that would eliminate that from happening but sometimes I'll just use a small uh, tea dish you know a teacup yeah. dish or something or or even in the store you can get those those they're like clear plastic you can yeah. put under your plant and they're they're really in a you know in obtrusive yeah. as far as the look and they're cheap yeah. too but it, that's you know otherwise you can ruin a nice table in a hurry i mean oh. if you <laughs> yeah well and i've done that too uh temperature is a big deal too because i don't know about you but we keep our temp kind of low in the house in the winter and i don't think it's probably the best on the plants but you know you try and save energy uh and so you know most prefer between 65 and 75 degrees fahrenheit and sometimes i think the house can go a little cooler than that well i know especially overnight we have a, a programmable thermostat and our, we let ours drop down to like 64 or 65 which is very comfortable for sleeping but right. i'm sure the plants are are 
not happy with that happening. You know, and in this time of the year, we actually do leave it a little, a little higher. Um, you know, when it's, it's so extremely cold outside. But one thing that we do, we have a humidi- humidifier that we run all winter long. Oh, and you do? It, okay, we do. That's good. Um, the house gets so dry otherwise that you you know the it almost we have like wood tables and that kind of stuff you can almost see the tables get, shrinking get shrinking <laughs> they're getting brittle so um you know we live in an older home and uh um you know it's probably not as airtight as as newer homes are but on the other hand uh we run the humidifier and the plants they just seem to perk up once you get that going and it's not a big deal i mean just it's an autom- you know automatic yeah, you set your you set your humidity level and it, it works. Another thing they say is don't mist your plants. You know it, it will raise the humidity, but only momentarily, and it also sets the stage for fungus and other things to be invasive. So you know, like you said, use your room humidifier and, or group your plants together to benefit with the moisture that they lose. So I always have yeah. mine clumped together downstairs in front of the big patio window in the basement, so they get all the light, but they're also by each other to contain the moisture in the area. And maybe some people don't realize that that indoor plants really have a health benefit too, in terms of um, huge. They it it, cl- it cleans your indoor air, which is uh, you know really important. I mean it, you know uh, it certainly doesn't dust. They don't dust for you, but um, they they keep the indoor air healthier. You know. And speaking of dusting, I'm glad you brought that up because even plants need to be dusted. They do, they do, and it's kind of silly, but it it. it it um, works. What do you do? Well, what I do, I have this. I have a feather duster, and so it's real gentle on the plants. And and I I just it it, it of course it, then it puts the dust in the air. But <laughs> but that's okay. You know you can always vacuum then, and you're you know you're fine. But if you don't dust them, it can be hard for the plants to take in what they need from the air if they're if the if their pores, so to speak, are are cover over with dust. Sometimes I'll take just um, a little cotton ball and wet it, and then I'll actually do each leaf on some of the bigger plants. Do you do that, too? Yes, I have done that, too. Um, But I think you're correct in saying that misting plants is not such a good idea. Plus, you make a mess. I mean, Well, that's true, too, yes. But I... I, I I would mostly just use my feather duster and clean them up. I don't have too many plants that have big leaves such that, you know, it would be kind of hard if I was using a cotton swab. Oh, okay. Yeah, a, I've a got a few project. that have the bigger bigger leaves yeah. on them, yeah. Um, one thing people think that it's cool to use is the, the shine. You know, you can p- use that plant shine to make the leaves shiny. Don't do it. No, I think I was just going to oh. say that's that's a bad idea. Just some water is fine. Yeah, because that'll, that actually, you know, puts a sticky surface on it, which more yeah. dust can cling, and then you also block their pores. So Exactly. Well, you know, another thing I was going to say about problems that can occur is sometimes people will say, I've got this terrible problem with fruit flies. Mm. I've got fruit flies all over, and I don't have anything out, and I just can't figure out what's causing this. Um, the thing to check is to see if it's possibly coming out of some of your plants. Because the soil. In, they're in the soil, and it's actually not a fruit fly. It's a black fly. And they will hatch in the soil, and you you could have actually they could have been in the soil when you planted the plant, or you they could have um, gotten there, and the you know the adult flies laid the eggs, and they're long gone. And th- those kind of flies will multiply quickly, quickly, and it can be really really distressing. So if you have a fly problem and you think it's fruit flies, look again, especially if you don't. If you obviously have some bananas out, that's a different story, but. If, if you can't find the source, check your plants. What do you do with them then? Well, the only thing you really can do to treat treat it effectively is you if you use, uh, there's uh, 
I was, it's called, it's not, it's a soap, but it's. You, it's is it neem? Uh, no, I don't know. I, I don't know the actual name. It's a soap that, uh, uh, not a bacterial soap. It's for specifically for plants, and if you spray the if you spray the surface of the mm-hmm. where the, the the pot, it will kill the eggs. And I'm, okay. all of a sudden, I'm blank like, blank on what the name of the product is, but it's it's if you go to a garden center, they'll know. They'll know. But that that is very very effective, and it doesn't hurt the plant, and it, it it's it's real good. Do you know what Barb Lampsom does? She gives her her plants showers. She um, takes and puts like a plastic bag around the pot and seals it at the top, mm-hmm. and then she'll put it on nice lukewarm water and she puts her put it in the shower and she'll just you know run the the shower on it till it gets nice and clean and maybe take a spray gun or something to get the underside of the leaves and then it really cleans it nicely and with the bag then you don't get any dirt running through your yeah. tub which is also a you know not a bad idea too if you've got some real bad problems but you still got to like you said deal with the soil if the yeah. the eggs are hatching hatching from there and you know sometimes when that happens is if a person has had a plant out in a porch say over the over the winter oh, or yeah. over the summer and then you bring it in for the winter and it's looking good and everything and all of a sudden you have all these insects they've they have definitely come in on the plants and the other piece that we always like to remind people is if you are bringing plants in that have been outside for the summer make sure you isolate them from the rest of your plants because aphids sometimes like to go for a ride too <laughs> quarantine and, and uh, you you know you can destroy you can destroy all your plants in a matter of a couple of weeks because those things spread like crazy. Right. So. Well, some of the, was, we were talking about air purifying uh, plants and some of the ones that are really easy to grow too is like the peace lily. A lot of times you'll get the peace lilies after, at a funeral. Somebody dies and I can't tell you how many we've got that way. Um, but they are known for keeping or purifying the air well and they are really easy too. Exactly. Yeah, they're they're almost hard to kill, I would say. And Boston fern is another one they list, as well as English ivy, the rubber plant, which is really hard to kill as well. Uh, some of the others, it's areca palm. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but uh, some couple of the palms. And uh, the, uh, tell me if I'm saying it right, the Draciana, Drake, you know, Dracina. Dra- Dra- Dracina, Dracina. Dracina. yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, and those yeah. are very common. You can find those in a lot of a lot of stores as well. So there are certain ones that are really good for purifying the air, but also you need to keep the air purified in terms of keeping the plant clean as well. Oh, exactly. And it's the, it's the process of um, the plant is actually giving off carbon dioxide is what it's doing, you know, and that's part of the... Uh, the process that is helping cleanse your air. So it's it, plants are really a you know good to have indoors. I would say absolutely. Uh, as far as fertilizing, really winter is not the time to start fertilizing. Real, you want to mainly fertilize when the plants are in their active growing stage. I don't know about you, but sometimes in the winter, you'll I'll take and really use a very diluted fertilizer, like liquid fertilizer. Exactly, that's what I do. But you know, you the, I normally use a, a granular fertilizer that you mix with one tablespoon to a gallon of water in the winter time I probably would put a quarter of a teaspoon just enough so that you there's a slight amount of nutrients there but you you really don't want to f- try to force the plants to do anything in the winter time because they're basically just hanging on the real problem is uh, unless you've got them under lights 
your your sunlight is pretty much limited no matter you know well, matter what and that that's really not so good for most plants yeah with our short days we just i mean it, it feels dark for for us and imagine what it's like for those poor plants well exactly especially some of these plants that they they prefer you know 10 to 12 hours of daylight <laughs> so it is kind of a problem right exactly so so there's some things about house plants anything else you know you'd like to share about house plants that might be useful for our listeners um, and probably not. The only just on the maybe a little more humorous side, you know, some of the things that we call house plants, like English ivy, for example, if you've had an opportunity to, you know, spend any time on the East Coast, it's a ground cover, and in some cases, that's considered a, a, a invasive, weed? yeah, weed. And uh, so here we're cultivating them, and there they're, you know, chopping them out. So um, I have a sister that lives in the Philadelphia area. And they've, they've been fighting with trying to get rid of it. And she says, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I've got one hanging in my dining room. You know, it's kind of like, you know, but it's just the difference of how we see things. The other thing is, you know, um, many things that we think are house plants, if you've had any opportunity to travel in the southern part of the country, that's that stuff just growing out in front of right, the house. Right, even the poinsettias, know? which Everything, we think are yeah. really a great holiday uh, flower, are basically part of the landscape exactly so it, it is kind of interesting to see and that kind of brings to mind you know uh, about plants and recognizing what zone you're living in and and knowing what's appropriate and what isn't so well, it's sort of like buckthorn you know years ago buckthorn was sold at nurseries because it, it was. was considered an attractive plant when all of a sudden they didn't realize that well the birds eating these seeds are spreading it all over and now it's invasive and it's it's con- con- causing a huge problem and, and other plants have been like that as well so uh, even the the barberries there's some varieties of barb uh, the barberries that um, you know they're the, the ones a lot of yeah. um, thorns and that yeah. uh, they're finding those some of those varieties are spreading like wildfire and are becoming invasive too and there are some apparently that are uh, made or bred so they don't uh, spread like that so just make sure when you you get one of those for a barberry for your landscape you know which what you're getting I, I think they need they need to be sterile is what sterile it is. that's yeah. what it is yeah and you know I I at this time of the year the only places that you can you know source plants are at some of your garden centers and then you know some of your big box stores sell sell plants also but I would caution people if you're buying something especially this time of the year look that plant over really carefully before you take it home because it could be it could have you know like uh, a disease you know you can it because you got to keep in mind like say a big box store nothing nothing against them they aren't hiring a specialist to handle those plants they unload them from the truck put them on the shelf and then somebody's assigned to water them and they don't really have people that are that know what they're doing know what they're doing yeah. and and so it I, I think the best thing to do is really to source them from places that actually have people that are gardener type people so something uh, that's happening besides Christmas cards in my mailbox now is the wonderful lovely seed catalog yes they're starting to come <laughs> they are starting to come and I mean I started getting them last month already and it's something that is just such a joy to look through even if you're not going to plant a garden they're fun to look at the beautiful pictures and you know it, it makes like, any gardener dream and I always dream my eyes are are my yeah my my dreams are bigger than my garden space exactly I have that same problem um, but the one thing I would say about the garden catalogs, as you said, it, it actually, when it's snowing outside or it's 20 below zero, what's nicer just to sit down and open a catalog and kind of page through it. But would caution people about a few things. Uh, and then you get so excited or you get so bummed out because it's so cold. Well, I'm going to get some flowers going so I can, I can uh, you know, just get spring to come. 
um, it's important to really be careful about what you're buying, if, especially from a seed catalog, of what you're buying. A couple things can, can trip you up. One is if you're buying um, flowers that are for the wrong zone, that would never, right. you know, especially if you're like buying a perennial or something like that, where you're going to, it's going to, you're going to want it to come back year after year. Make sure we're right here, a uh, zone four. Well, you know, and before I knew much about gardening when I was younger, I'd look at those and I'd say, wow, this is the most beautiful shrub I've ever seen. Uh, is it crepe myrtle? Is that how you yes, say it? Yes, crepe myrtle. Oh, and I mean, wisteria, those things are so beautiful. And, and I, in the past, ordered those things, never could figure out why in the world they died. Well, I didn't realize there was a thing about zones. And a yeah. lot of people don't because you assume, well, if they're sending me this catalog, it must be okay for my place, right? Yeah, it's in a lot of these sources of some really fine catalogs are are from the uh, the Carolinas, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're we're just or or there's and I didn't know this till oh, just found out that uh, the state of Texas, the um, agriculture industry there, in terms of horticulture, they're the biggest sourcer in the whole nation, Texas. Okay? Oh, it's really okay, and it, most of that's coming from South Texas. And what zone are they? And there's only eleven. Oh, so, well, you know, big difference. Uh, you know, they they have flowers blooming all year long, um, which is wonderful. But in fact, this time, even this time of the year, which is kind of hard to, to believe, the the greenhouses and the nurseries are open and selling live plants. I mean, I know that for sure because I've been in. Texas in the wintertime and everything they're open year-round they don't close right so, whereas so, here it's a very very slow time for yeah, a lot of the nurseries yeah. and greenhouses well they're selling a, you know a few Christmas flowers and that's kind of probably it. about it you know right but the other thing about the seed catalogs is to um, be careful you can get tripped up with having stuff cost you a lot more money than it you need to uh, many of them have um, the plants look or the seeds for example they're reasonably priced and then you get to filling out your order or putting your order in online, and then you realize that the shipping is, is as much as the seeds. Right. So um, I would recommend, you know, one thing that you can always, a lot of times you can get free shipping if you kind of watch. In, in, for specials. For specials. And sometimes they'll have a coupon or if you're a first-time buyer. or there's a, The other thing that, you, you know, you can do that I think um, if you've got a friend that's also interested in buying some seeds, group up your order and that way you can split the shipping cost um you know right after the first of the year too many of the the stores um locally that that carry garden equipment have put out their seed racks and sometimes you can find some really good deals right uh sometimes you can get burnt because some of that seed might be old but the other thing is i think flowers are a little touchier but like some of your vegetable seeds they can be four or five years old and they'll still grow yeah, you know what I, I do is to test that because I've had, you know how you use just a few seeds in a big package sometimes? Exactly. And now, luckily, a lot of catalogs are selling uh, uh, packages with like, like only 10 seeds because, you know, you don't need like 50 tomato plants, for example. But I have taken where I'll take a paper towel and I'll mark it out with a pen in little squares and then I'll put uh, seeds in each square and then I'll dampen it and then I'll wait to see how they germinate and then I'll write down, you know, okay, the... The, um, the pumpkin seeds, one out of four or one out of five, whatever. I think I've done 10. So one out of 10 germinated. Well, then I know it's not going to be a very good 
good uh, yeah. seed to plant or none germinated or all of them did. And then, then I know that I should throw some out. And I've done that because otherwise some of the seeds, I, I feel like, oh, I don't want to waste them. What if they're still good? So that's just a good way to test. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I've done that too. And it's so easy. Just, you know, just use a paper towel, dampen it, and then put it in a warm, uh, dark mm-hmm. place for just literally a few days. And right. you can tell if there's, they start to swell and you can tell that this is going to work. And what a fun thing for to do with your grandchildren or your kids because it's, it's like a little science experiment, too. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I there, Here's the one article that I read that I think you'll get a kick out of. They said, here is some advice for home gardeners. Okay, take your catalog and read it. Mark all the plants that you believe you cannot live without. And then three, fill out the form. And then four, tear up the form and throw it away. <laughs> I think that's that's probably a really good idea. Well, because, you know, by the time you figure out everything you want, you probably don't have the space for it. And like you said, a lot of things are available locally. And by the time you figure out the cost of the shipping, you might be better off just getting them locally. Exactly. But if there are seeds that you know that they don't have locally, order ahead of time because sometimes they do run out of special certain varieties and oh, have low yes, supplies. I've, so I've do it soon. Notice that, yeah. Um, and it'll be just right after the first of the year, those those seed displays will be out in the garden centers. The other thing I was going to say about the catalogs is they ha- they can sometimes, you know, kind of get you with this wonderful equipment they have, you know, for, for you know, everything from peat pots to, to plastic domes and everything else. And that stuff is all really good, but most of that you can buy locally for cheap. You know that you can buy it at the big box stores, and it wouldn't cost nearly what they charge in the catalog. Because so. then you've got the shipping and additional yeah, too. So yeah, exactly. I I always wait till there's good sales. A lot of times they'll want to clear out, or they've got overstock or something in the, in the peat pots or or those sort of things, and you can get them for reasonable. Exactly. Uh, let's see. I was looking at some of the other, or thinking about some of the other things about catalogs that really get me are the pictures. I they know. have amazing photographers. They have raised these plants in the perfect conditions, sometimes in greenhouses. So you see these beautiful plants, and then you get them home and wonder why you can't raise them. Even if you're in the right zone, sometimes you just, I mean, maybe it's cold in the spring or whatever. And so you just realize it isn't always what you see is what you're going to get. Exactly. Well, the the All-American Proven Winners, um, a lot of times if you... I, those awards maybe seem a little uh, a little cheesy, but I think they're really not. Those the, the AA, look for the symbol that says AAS All American Selection. Those yeah. are the ones that are tried and true and proven. Exactly, and the University of Minnesota actually has a seed trial program that goes on every year, and those are those these flowers and vegetables and you know whatever you can grow. And uh, master gardeners all over the state uh, sign up for that program, and you're given the free seeds, you're given the instructions, and then they're followed through the season, and then you have to report how you know how that worked out, and they do that, of course, in the different zones. Um, so that's a really the University of Minnesota is a really good source for finding out what really will grow here and what won't. Absolutely. You know? So check with your university extension. Go to University of Minnesota Extension online, Master Gardener. They've got great question and answers on there. Or call your local Master Gardeners. Exactly. And you know there's an extension office here in town. It's uh, the office is located on the third floor of the Blue Earth County Courthouse. Uh, and there's somebody there Monday through Friday if you even want to stop in. There's 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 uh, always somebody manning the, the the desk. Not not necessarily a master gardener, but they can put you in touch with somebody that readily could answer your questions. Now the contact I know is Diane DeWitt. There, she actually is the county educator. Okay. And uh, but you know I've gotten what happens is. Um, 
somebody will you know stop in the office or call the office and then they'll there's a number of us they will like just shoot us an email and, and give us a name and a phone number and you know so and so needs to talk to you about uh, how to grow onions and I've taken a lot of those calls and they're it's actually kind of fun you know, because mm-hmm. uh, if you don't know anything about it, you can pass it on to somebody that my area really is vegetables. Is I, that's that's okay. I'm the most, I would say, knowledgeable, if, if that's possible, about <laughs> vegetables. I know about flowers, but my flowers are more simple. I, right. I don't the, some of those complicated, hard to grow. No, thanks. <laughs> well, it's just kind of like I had a question one time with the tree and. I just wasn't sure about the answer, even though I can look things up. So I called the extension, and they sent uh, Master Gardener Ken Frederick out because yeah. he has had a little more experience with trees, and he came out and talked about it and basically saved me from cutting down a tree that I thought was going to die. Yeah. So, you know, that can be very valuable, just a quick call and a little oh, bit. Yeah, we have a number of people that are specialists, you know, that are arborists um, in our group. Um, I'm not one of them. Me neither. You know, but. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Well, Joyce, it's always a delight to talk to you. Um, We're going to have some real cold weather, so now would be a good time to hunker down and read our seed catalog, circle everything, make an order, and then throw it away and maybe maybe be realistic. Put put your, um, get a plan, you know, realize how many feet you have in your garden, read how far apart the plants need to be, you know, draw a little drawing, and then you'll say, I guess I can't try these 20 varieties of tomatoes. Exactly. Good good <laughs> advice, Karen. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joyce. Have a great day. Thank you. All right. Uh, Joyce Wilcox, Master Gardener, joining me today for the Master Gardener segment.